Yeah, we're going to raise hell tonight. So what were you born to do? What were you born to do? What were you born to do? So Little Rock, are you ready to raise some hell? Woo! Yeah. Well, we're going to raise hell the best way possible, and that's with prayer. So if you guys would stand up, we'll open up in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you tonight. Lord, we are praying for your spirit to come down. Lord, we are experienced God tonight, Lord. Lord, we know that Jesus has showed up, Lord. And at the name of Jesus, every demon's going to bow, Lord. Lord, tonight is the night when hell's going to go right back out those doors. Lord, tonight is a night to honor you. Lord, tonight is a night that lives get changed. Lord, tonight is a night just so we can worship you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're going to do, Lord. Lord, because this service is you. It's not about us. It's not about who's in this room right now, Lord. It is all about you. And we thank you because you are worthy of all praise and all thanks, Lord. I thank you right now for what you're going to do tonight. And in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we're going to pray. Amen. 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 How you guys doing tonight, huh? Yeah, I tell you, Chaplin had a big smile on his face. So first he had a frown, then he came down and it, it started going from a frown to a smile on his face. And he's like, man, I think I messed up. I forgot to put you guys on the schedule. I know I told you guys every fifth Tuesday, but I forgot about it. And he just kind of looked and he said, since you guys are here, you guys can take over. I'm going home. And, I mean, he, he said that with a lot of smiling on his face. He was like, man, I am ready to go home. And uh, so, I mean, we're here. I mean, he told us, God put us here. We're here tonight, Lord. I mean, it, it's just, it's going to be a good night tonight. You know, I, I sat there and uh, come in here to, uh, we always have a play. And this, this, this month, as everybody knows, is Halloween. And, of course, you know, it's one of the holidays a lot of people celebrate. A lot of money is spent on Halloween. A lot of people spend a lot of money on Halloween costumes. A lot of money. I go, we go down to Halloween Express and uh, Spirit of Halloween and stuff like that, Halloween Depot, and I'm talking a ton of money in costumes, and they are, people are spending this money. I mean, costumes are not cheap no more. I mean, these costumes, are, some of them are expensive. And I mean, a lot of money is spent on costumes. Not only are they spent on costumes, a lot of money is spent on Halloween decorations. A lot of money spent on Halloween decorations. When I sat there and I looked it up, oh, uh, probably about three years ago when I was sitting there writing a sermon on our play that we were doing, I started reading on what Walmart and these big places sell in Halloween costumes, Halloween uh, uh, decorations to Christmas and Christmas presents. And it came down to it that almost Halloween spends more money for the, the, the grown-ups than what they do on their kids. 
And I, I was shocked. I thought, wow. And I mean, I've gone to Halloween parties before I became a Christian. And I mean, we decked out our Halloween costumes. I mean, we didn't just come in, you know, wearing a, you know, whatever, you know, a cowboy hat and a big belt buckle and say, hey, I'm a cowboy. I mean, we went out and spent a lot of money on costumes. Because a lot of times you go to a Halloween costume, you're being judged for Halloween costumes. You can have up to, you know, $1,000, $1,500 Halloween costume judging. So you go out and you spend some money on Halloween costumes. So, you know, I know what it was like back then, how much I spent on Halloween costumes. And then I think about what I spent on my family for Christmas presents. And it really didn't equal up. It didn't equal up because I spent a lot of money on that. And, of course, when you go into a party, for a Halloween party, you know, you always have to bring your own, you know, booze and, you know, all your accessories and drugs and stuff. So there's more money you're spending on something that you shouldn't even be spending your money on. But, you know, I had that past in my life. I know exactly what that's like. I know how much it hurts your uh, uh, wallet and your pocketbook because you spend a lot of money on drugs, alcohol, Halloween costumes and Halloween decorations and stuff. But I noticed how much they set and showed the sales on Halloween costumes. You know, the thing that dropped, one thing dropped out of all your Halloween stuff, one thing dropped, and that was Halloween candy. Halloween candy over the years has diminutively going down in sales. And if you go to Walmart and you go to these places and you look at Halloween candy, it's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be. I mean, there used to be bags. And at the end of the Halloween time, they would have all these bags of candy reduced to get rid of it. But the sales of candy went down, but the sales of everything else has skyrocketed. So a lot of money is spent on Halloween. A lot of money is spent on Halloween. And that's what our play that we did in the past was about Halloween and what we spend our money on and what it represents. And, of course, so many people sit there and say, well, it's just a holiday. It doesn't mean nothing. Well, if you're dressing up as a ghost, I'm saying that you probably might be thinking that you're glorifying God, because, uh, glorifying the devil because you're dressing up as a ghost. How about a demon? How about a witch? There's a lot of costumes out there that would never, ever be seen in heaven. So many times we look at Halloween as a fun time to dress up and have a good time and get drunk and all this other stuff. And, you know, it, but if you really think about it, that's not the greatest holiday there is because, boy, there's a lot of evil stuff in that holiday. A lot of times you stir up demons when you sit there and you let your kids dress up as a witch or Harry Potter or a demon. You grow up. And you start changing your looks and you sit there and say, you know what, I want to be dressed up as Freddy Cougar, Michael Myers. You know, now you're getting really into these, you know, you know, I mean, all these things, you know, nothing good. How many times have you ever gone to Walmart or someplace and looked at costumes and seen anything that was really good? Little toddler kids are probably the only ones that have somewhat good costumes. Then when you start getting into teenagers, there's not really many good costumes left. They're already changing over to all this stuff that basically all has Satan involved in it. So this message that I'm getting ready to talk to you about took place and it's real. It's actually happened to us 
with a few other people. I never thought it was going to turn into a message, but it did about a couple, well, it actually did last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first time I ministered on it. So, uh, so what happened was we were over there, we're getting ready to uh, celebrate, I don't even know where we're at, what we're doing. But I was at the house, I'm tired, I wanted to go sleep that night. I wanted to go to sleep. I didn't feel like doing anything. And uh, in about, probably about 3 o'clock, the phone rings. My wife answers it. It's her sister. They, they're talking on the phone for a little bit. She hangs up the phone. She kind of comes back. She goes, we might have to go over to uh, Sandy's house t- tonight. And I said, why? She says, well, we, we might need to go to Sandy's house tonight. I said, I, I don't want to go to Sandy's house. I don't feel like going there. I said, I'd, I'd rather stay home tonight. I'm, I'm tired. I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just ready to relax and just, you know, and she said, she's going to let me know if we have to go over there. And I was like, why? Why do we got to go over there? Well, she didn't tell me. She kept it, she didn't keep it a secret, but she just didn't sit there and say, said, well, she might not call, but if she calls, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll go over there. So a couple hours go by. Uh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe 6, 7 o'clock. It's dark outside already. So she calls back, talking to her, said, okay, that's fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she hangs up and goes, we're going to Sandy's house tonight. And I said, man, I don't, I don't want to go to Sandy's house. She goes, we're going to Sandy's house. That She's my sister and she needs us. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's a little different there. I mean, what does she need? And she looks at me and she says, she wants us to go over there and pray for their house. And I said, what? She wants us to go over there and pray for her house. And I said, what do you mean pray for her house? She said, that house has demons in it. And I said, what? She said, the house has demons. They're having problems with that house. Every time they go to that house, they're having problems. And I said, uh, okay. I said, you want us to go to the house then and pray over the house? Well, what does she want us to do? She said, she wants us to go there and pray for that house. She said, I, she knows that there's demons in that house and it's destroying her. I kind of looked and I said, okay, okay, we can do that. We can do that. So he's in Russellville. He's at his place. We get in our car. We take off. So I'm calling him up or no, I actually text him. I text him. I said, hey, what are you doing right now? And he says, well, I'm just sitting here. He says, hey, I'm coming over there to pick you up, and we're going over to Sandy's house. And he texts me back. He goes, uh, why? <laughs> so we're going to go over there. And he goes, why? And I think I turned around and called you then. Yeah. I finally turned around and called him. I said, hey, I need your help. I said, we're going to go over to Sandy's house, and we're going to pray. And he kind of looks and goes, okay. I said, okay, you, you want to go pray? He goes, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess so. And I said, we're going to be praying over the demons inside the house. And he, he was quiet there for a second. And then he kind of come back and he's like, we're going to be praying over some demons in the house? And I said, yeah, they said the house is completely full of demons. He said, okay, come on over here. When are you going to be here? And I said, we'll be down there in a few minutes. He said, I'll be ready. Let's go. He was excited. He was ready. This is the first time he was ever ready for something like this. He's never experienced it. 
So I said to him, I've seen this in the past. I remember back in a long time ago, I've seen preachers and evangelists in tent revivals, and I've seen when they sit there and they pray over the demons, and they sit there and rebuke them. You don't see that in a lot of the modern-day churches nowadays because they're afraid of them. They let them make themselves feel at home in church. So I said to him, I looked, and I said, okay, we'll go ahead. So I go over there, and I pick him up, and he's pretty well. I mean, he's hopping down the stairs. He's getting in there. He says, okay, let's go. So I'm backing up. We're taking off. We get to the house. We pull at the house. We come in there. You know, they're inside there. I think they were inside. Yeah, I think they were waiting for us. They just got there. They go in the house. We walk in the front door. We're walking. I've never been in the house before. I walk in the house, and I'm looking around the house, and they decide to give me a tour through the house. So this is fall time. This is roughly about this time of the year, maybe a little earlier, but it's about this time of the year. And so I start looking around the house. Now, they've been living in this house for six months maybe, I guess, eight months. I mean, they've been sitting there for a while. And so they take me and they start walking me through the place. And uh, I'm going from one room to another room, and it's not looking, it's, it's not looking really good. It's, it's just this house. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just looking at what's inside the house, and I'm like looking, and I'm just walking around noticing things. And I'm listening to what they have to say to me. And I'm going from room to room. All of us are all going from room to room. And we come back into the, into the, into the living room. And we sit down. So I sat there. And we were just plain talking. Nothing major. And uh, she comes over there. And she looked. And she says, okay, you're going to pray over this house? And I looked at her. And I said, what do you want me to do now? And she said, I want you to get anointing oil and go around all the windows and doors and I want you to pray that no more demons come inside this house. And I sat there and I looked and I said, well, we have a problem here. And she said, what? I said, you've already let all the demons into this house already. And she just looked at me and she said, what are you talking about? I said, you guys have let the demons already inside this house. With the stuff that you have allowed in this, inside this house. I said, I see things that should not even be in the house. So they're, they're talking about this. Well, finally, her boyfriend goes over there and says, I'll tell you something. Sandy, go get that over there and bring it out. And she goes, yes, you got to see this. you got to see what this thing does. And she goes over there and picks it up and puts it over there on the table and looks at my wife and goes, turn that knob. It's a jack-in-the-box. My wife goes over there, and, and this thing is the most evilest-looking thing I've ever seen. It's not a, it is not a jack-in-the-box you give to your kids. I have no clue what this is. This is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. And she's over there holding this thing, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what is that? She said, he goes, this is a jacket about, check this out, listen to this thing. I'll tell you, this has got a story of its own. And I'm looking at this thing, and my wife wouldn't even touch it. My wife looked at it and said, ah, and she's like, go ahead and crank it. So she starts to crank it, and it starts making this noise, and she stops it. And she said, I'm not turning that no more. So her sister goes over and starts playing this music, and it is the most 
I don't even know what the music it is. It's not Jack in the Box, Jack in the Box, I'm coming out to, you know, what? It, I mean, it is playing something. And this thing pops up. It is a cross between Freddy Krueger, a, a, a scary clown, a Jack in the box that has been uh, cremated. I, I don't even know what this thing pops out of the thing up, and it sits there, and it pops up, and it's, it's laughing. And she looks at that, and she's like, you know, petrified of this thing. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, looking, I'm thinking, why, why would you have something like this in your house? Why would you have something like this in the house? You wonder why your house has demons in it? You wonder why your life is falling apart and you have something like this inside your house? I don't understand that. What, did, what are you thinking here? They were so scared of that thing that they couldn't get that thing out of the house. They didn't want to touch it and get it out of the house. The guy that found it, her boyfriend found it at a house that he was sitting there taking apart and bringing some of the stuff home. Well, he found that, and what he came up to was when he seen that, he stood up and automatically sat there and basically talked, not talked to him, but he felt the presence and said, if you leave me here, something horrible is going to happen to you. And that's what he told me. And he took that, put it in his vehicle, and brought it to the house, and it's sitting in their living room. Now, they have taken that thing, shoved it back in, closed the lid, and they stuck it around the corner so it would be out of sight, out of mind, and you won't have to hear that no more. Now, here's a story that they tell me. While they're sitting there watching television or walking around or inside their you know, kitchen or the bedroom or wherever they're at, Guess what happens? While they're doing something, all of a sudden, out of the blue, this thing starts going. And nobody's cranking it. It just starts doing that. It just starts doing that. And I'm looking at him. I said, well, you know, there's, there's, there's a problem. Why would you have something like that in your house? So then they were sitting there talking. And they said, what else are we talking about that's bad in our house? Of course, it's, you know, Halloween. And I said, well, how about your decorations you have in the house? Well, they didn't have any decorations in their house prior to this. Well, they decide that they're going to go out and decorate the house. So he goes out and gets housewarming gifts of witches and all the goblins and ghosts and stuff. And he decorates the whole house with this. So every room has all this stuff inside there. And I looked and I said, why do you have this sitting right here? He goes, well, it's, it's a housewarming. It, it, it's, it, it brings life to the house. I said, yeah, you're bringing a lot of life into this house. A lot of life from the wrong side of the, 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 the kingdom over here. You know, we go into the kitchen. He's got, he's got witches over there sitting in the kitchen making stirring a pot of portion, portion, potion. He says, dare to drink. You know, all this stuff. What's your potion that you're drinking tonight? You know, all this stuff he's got piled inside this house. He brought it all in to sit there and make a housewarming because they're having problems. So he's going to make it look more present and have, you know, peace in his life. He's bringing all this stuff in there. She allows it. Of course, they got movies over there. She likes horror movies. Oh, she can watch any horror movie that you can give her. Any movie 
that you can think. She will sit down and she will watch it and she will love it. She got a movie. Stuck it in there. Watched, I think, about 30 minutes of it. And she was all over the place and could not sit still. He told her, she told him to take that thing out because she didn't want to watch it no more. First and only time I ever heard her say that. They took it out. They set it up on top of the table, uh, on top of the TV. And it's gone. And they can't figure out what happened to it. Literally gone. They don't know where it's at. He doesn't know where it's at. She doesn't know where it's at. They wanted it out of the house. And it's completely gone out of the house. And they had no clue where that movie was at. She kept having dreams over that stupid movie. That movie was torturing her every single night. Every time they got back in that house, it, that movie kept coming back to her and knowing what was going on in that movie. It was torturing her in her mind over and over and over and over. Every time they walked through the living room, something tortured them when they, he, they heard this. Because they knew that thing was going off and there's nobody cranking it. While I was sitting in there looking and watching this and listening to all this stuff, guess what makes there a presence? While we're sitting there, we hear it. And there it is, cranking over there on the side. My wife's sitting over here. I'm sitting over here. My son was sitting on that couch. And they were sitting over here on two chairs. And that thing started going off just like that. Just started to play. They jumped out of the chair and they sat there and looked and said, that's what I'm talking about. That's what it does all night long. And I said, why do you have it in here? He said, it, if I get rid of it, something bad is going to happen to us because it told me that. And I said, well, you're listening to the wrong, wrong spirits. You're listening to the wrong spirits. He also found a dress, a wedding dress. Had blood all over it. Found it in that house. <laughs> Why would you get a wedding dress that has blood on, the, on it? I don't know. But guess what? He takes it. He got rid of it. He took it away and he got rid of it before. But he sat there and he thinks about that dress with the blood all over it. A wedding dress with blood all over it. He's got this picture in his mind over and over, all this stuff that's going on. Why? I mean, what, the wedding dress, blood, what happened? What happened to the woman? Why is there blood all over? You know, he's just going on constantly, just listening to this and hearing this over and over and over. And I said to him, I said, what do you expect? What do you guys got in your house? You're allowing all this stuff in your house to torment you guys. And you guys don't, cannot stand up against it. Now, my sister-in-law gave her life to the Lord seven years ago, I guess, something like that. She gave her life to the Lord. She has been going to church with us. Uh, she was actually in part of the Sunday school, working with the kids in Sunday school, doing a really good job, praying every single day. She was reading the Bible. She started to learn a lot about God. She started learning, not just about God, but she started learning the laws of God. And he sat, she sat there and looked at us and said, that's the reason why I called you guys. You all know about this stuff, and I know you guys handled this stuff before. She says, I don't know what to do. And I said to her, and I said, one, we're going to clean house. 
And it's not about going around and pr praying and anointing over the doors and windows. It's praying over all the stuff that you got in here to get it out of here. But he, she knew all the stuff. She, of course, she backslid. About two years, she came back, gave her life back to the Lord again. She started living straight again. She started living right. Well, she found another guy. That's the guy she's living with at the time. Of course, what happens? You find somebody you're in love. Next thing you know, you're walking around in puppy love, even though you're like 40-some years old. You're walking around in puppy love because you found a new love in your life, and all of a sudden you're slipping out of church, and you're back in your old ways again, and you don't pay attention to what you're doing. So here she is in this house with all this stuff going on. That thing goes off, man. I'm telling you, this thing goes off. And they are just going nuts over here. And if I'm not mistaken, I think mom went over there and grabbed it. Now, my wife is not too fond of, you know, scary things and all this other stuff. And she just turned and looked at that. My Bible, I brought my Bible and I had a coffee table, we had a coffee table right there, and I put my Bible right there on the coffee table, just sitting right there. I didn't open it up, haven't talked about, you know, prayers or nothing left. I just set it there, we sat down, we sat there and talked. That Bible was sitting right there at the coffee table. My wife sat there and looked, got up, walked around that thing, picked that thing up. When she started walking back over, that thing started to play. The handle wasn't turning. It just started to play. And she was looking at that. And the first thing I think you turned around and said, it's the handle's not even moving. And it's just playing. And they, these two are over here climbing up off their chairs and everything else to try to get away from this. My wife just looked and sat there and says, there's no power here. Set it right down and laid it right on my Bible. That thing shut up immediately. Shut up. While we were sitting there for I don't know how long, the first thing I looked at was, you notice that thing's on the Bible and it hasn't said a word yet? And they were like, yeah, we know that. I said, do you think there's power in that word right there? You think there's power in that word? You know, this Bible here is my Bible. You know, there's probably a lot of Bibles out there that has probably no power in it because nobody reads it to get power out of it. But I read my Bible and that Bible comes alive when I read it. So this Bible is alive in my life. And while it's in my presence, it knows that I read this Bible. It knows when it looks at me and goes, yeah, that's, that's, I'm not saying it's my, I'm the master of the Bible. That's not what I, I'm just saying I'm the owner of this Bible. And it knows its owner going, this guy right here, I know this guy, this is the owner of, my, of me because he reads me all the time and I'm the God's word. So it knew the power it had. She set it right on top of that thing, and that thing shut up and never said anything after that. We were there probably, I don't even know how long, probably after that, two hours maybe, something like that. Nothing moved. No, it didn't even make a, a twitch. It didn't do nothing. And I sat there, and I looked, and I listened to it, and I said, did you see this? This thing's not saying a thing yet because it knows where the power is. They were all talking. I sat there and I told them all the other stuff. I told them about the witches. I told them all about all the stuff that they put in the house. And I said, that's not housewarming. I said, you're allowing things that God does not like into your home when God is supposed to be the one that's inside your home. When you bring something in and it does not affiliate with God, God's going to have to step on out because he's not going to sit there and stand there 
while something else that he does not like is in there. He will move and get out of there. Just like we should move away from things that we should not be hanging out with and say, being uh, with. When you're around drugs and alcohol, when you're around with women, when you're married, you don't need to keep your presence in that section. You should automatically look and say, I'm walking out of here. I don't need none of that no more. That's not part of my life. I'm out of here. God sits there and looks and says, that is not part of me. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm going to be over here. When you're ready to come back and get clean and get back with me, then I'll be ready for you. But I'm not going to hang around with that. So while we're sitting there, we're discussing, we're talking. I have a Pepsi bottle. Have it on the counter, uh, the the counter, uh, the coffee table. There's a coffee, uh, the, uh, there's a Pepsi bottle sitting there. I finished drinking. It's sitting right there. We're talking. All of a sudden, I happen to look down, and that Pepsi bottle started to rock. I sat there and I looked at Dad, and I think you turned around and looked and said, "Dad, that Pepsi bottle's moving." I said, "Yes, I do. I see that." And we watched that Pepsi bottle just bouncing around all over that table. My sister-in-law almost lost it right there. Her boyfriend could not get out of the chair fast enough. His chair was in front of the kitchen to go into the kitchen. He was trying to climb over, push the chair, everything he could to get out of that living room, yelling and screaming and trying to leap. And I mean, I, I'm telling I've never seen anything like this. He was trying his best to get out of this. He went out and flew out that door. And I looked and I said to her and I said, bad idea. That's not going to happen. That's not, that's not going to, uh, leaving that is not going to help. Because guess what? All those things are still in your memory. It's still in your mind. And guess what's going to keep on going? Satan will keep using that to torture you, to torment you every single time. That's how he works. That's how he gets into you. That's how it is. He comes flying back inside, sweat pouring off of him. I am talking about pure sweat pouring off of him. I looked and I thought, holy cow, what did he do? Run all the way, you know, two miles around the, you know, I'm talking sweat pouring off of him. Shirt is soaked. And I thought, what in the world? I mean, holy cow, this guy is, he is, he's losing it, man. He comes running in there. He grabs a hold of all the junk off the counters, takes that jack-in-the-box, grabs that, runs around and grabs all the other stuff. And I looked at him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I started a fire. This stuff is going in there. I'm destroying it. Ran out and threw the stuff in the fire. When he threw the stuff in the fire, he was so petrified because he said there were screams coming out of that fire. He come running back in there, and he, I mean, he was white as a ghost. He said there were screams coming out of that fire. I said, those are the demons. He says, because they all know what's going to happen to them. One day, they are going to be put in that fire for eternity. And they don't want to hear that. They don't want to have anything to do with that. And you putting them in the fire, you have destroyed the contents that they were involved in. But they're free still. And guess what's going to happen? When they're free, they're going to be keep on torturing you because they're going to sit there and show you the remembrance of everything that you remembered about a jack-in-the-box, about the movie, about all the stuff that you got in your house. 
Anything that else is happening. Well, he had a pretty rough life. Some stuff happened in his life. And Satan was over there destroying his life, bringing things back to his remembrance when he was younger and what happened when he was younger. And I looked and I said, that's how Satan works. That's how he destroys your life. He brings the stuff back to you. Well, he basically cleaned out the whole entire house. He threw all that stuff away. The only thing they could not figure out what happened to, well, they have no idea what happened to the movie. She was not going to touch it, and he wasn't going to touch it. They don't even remember what the movie was called. They just remember something about the movie. She couldn't handle it. They took it out, stuck it up on the TV, and they've never seen it since. They have no idea what happened to it. But that's how Satan works. He's got to get to you. He will get to you any possible way. The things that you allow in your life, in your house, in your marriage, in your family, at your job, whatever it is, you do something wrong, possibly, maybe not purposely, just accidentally, he's going to keep bringing that to you. He's going to keep torturing you to it. He's over and over and over until you can't handle it no more. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is a very popular scripture for a couple different purposes. I preach on this a lot. We have a play that's based on this, this message right here. It's a message we try to teach and preach a lot on because it's something that we as Christians need to have. One of the biggest things is when you go into a military and you sign up as military, you are taken away from your life, basically. Your life is basically taken away from you. When you join the boot, boot camp and go into military, you will no longer see your mom, you will no longer see your dad, you will not see your brothers, you will not see your wife, you will not see your kids. They take you away from everything. The reason why they take you away from everything is because they need to train you the proper way. You can't be trained if you have your mom and dad over there to lean on all the time. You can't be trained properly if you have a wife that you can go back and start crying to because, you, you know, they're mean to you and you, they make you do 200 push-ups and run 10 miles. They're training you to become a warrior. They're training you to become a military person that can defend our country. Well, guess what? When you join God's army, you're in the same situation. Because now you have an enemy called the devil. And he will do anything he can to destroy you. Just like any other country wants to destroy the United States because how powerful and how free and how blessed we are in this country. You go to any other country, 
you don't have the freedom that we have here. You don't have the food like you have, they have over there. I mean, you have cars that they can't afford. They have bicycles and they walk. They live in shacks. They live in mud huts. They, I mean, they live in places, and we have mansions over here. We have apartment complexes that are a lot better than what other people have that are living in houses over there. We have so much stuff over here. Every person wants to come to America or destroy America because of how blessed and how lucky we are. Or I don't want to really say lucky. We are blessed by God. Well, Satan is the same exact way. We are so blessed from God, he doesn't want any of us to have blessings. He doesn't want us to succeed. He doesn't want us to have all that stuff. And God says, I'm giving it to you. Ask and you shall receive. So in Ephesians 6, chapter 10, is where I'm going with it. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Boy, I tell you something, God's got a lot of power. He created the universe. He created the moon, the stars, the earth. He created each and every one of us perfectly. Big Bang could not build us and make us be able to breathe oxygen while all the trees and plant lives breathe carbon dioxide that we breathe out. A Big Bang, I cannot imagine us having reproduction units inside of us to be able to have a baby and a woman opposite of us being able to ha have a baby inside her. I can't imagine a Big Bang Theory doing that. I can't imagine how apes can sit there and do this all the way up to two million years to form us. This does not, to me, there's no possible way. But God Almighty created us. He was the one that did the Big Bang. The Big Bang is when he sat there and said, God spoke, and bam, it came into existence. That is the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the strategies of the devil. It says put on the whole armor of God. When you sit there and look at military people and they go out in battle, are they out there with a helmet and that's it? Are they going out there with a gun strap around their, head, their body and say, I got a gun strap, that's all I need. How many of them do you see that has boots on and say, man, I got boots. I can be able to walk for miles. But when they start shooting, I'm in trouble. They put the whole armor on. They put the whole entire thing. They put the pants on for protection the way they need to have it. They have camouflage for the area that they are in. They have helmets for protection because when something gets hit in their head, they can sit there and die. They have their protection on. They have their guns on. They have bullets loaded on there. They have belts holding their pants up so their pants don't start falling down. There's a purpose why they wear all that stuff. It's their protection for the strategies of the enemy when they're out there trying to take us out. Guess what? God's army is exactly the same thing. So you put the whole armor of on, not just one part. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. We wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of you guys ever wrestled before? You guys any wrestled before? I'll tell you something. That is probably the hardest sport to sit there and do. Because you are wrestling against somebody and you're not fighting them. You're not trying to take them down by knocking them out. You're trying to wrestle them to the ground. 
you can constantly wrestle. A real wrestler, I'm not talking about WWE or anything. I'm talking about real wrestling when you're hand-to-hand combat trying to wrestle somebody down. You are trying to find out their strategies to take you down. You are building your own strategies to try to take that enemy down. And you're constantly holding hands, holding this. You know, you're flipping person around. You're rolling around. You're constantly fighting. And there's not really no, I mean, it takes a long time to get a winner. That's what we do with Satan. Satan is wrestling. We are wrestling against Satan. Wherefore, take unto the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand. So many times we stand and Satan takes us down and it turns around and tells us and have done all to stand again. To stand. Fall down. What are you doing down? I guarantee if you're in boot camp, you fall down one time doing the ropes jumping the ropes, you fall down one time and you stand and lay there on the ground, I will guarantee a drill sergeant will be right in your face telling you better get back up, boy. You want to be a winner? You want to be on the champion team? You better get back up. You fall again, you get back up. You do not stay on the ground. You do not show defeat. You stand up and be strong against your enemy. That's what they train you in boot camp. Well, guess what? God's army is the same exact way. God doesn't want us to be defeated. God doesn't want us on our face. He wants us to stand. Stand strong. Jesus has already won. Yes, he's going to keep on battling. The United States has won their freedom. But guess what? We still got to battle. If we don't battle, they're going to come in here and take us over. And then we'd be working for another country, another religion, or whatever else, and you ain't going to be having nothing because you're going to be giving the money to all these other countries that would control us. Stand therefore, having your loins grooted with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. Loins grooted with truth, the belt. Put a belt of truth around you. Keep your pants up. You know the truth. Your pants ain't going to fall down and you ain't going to fall down. You know the truth. You'll be able to stand up. The wrestlers come in. Boxers come in. What do they have around their waist when they won a championship? A belt. Why do they have a belt? You see them? You ever see any of the wrestlers? Or boxers coming in there with a the belt on there going, yeah, I'm the champion, yeah, oh well. Yeah. No, what are they doing? They're standing strong. They're standing up going, look at what I got. I know the truth. I am the champion. Guess what? I know the truth. I am the champion. Through this word, I am the champion. The truth will set you free. That is the reason why you wear that belt. The belt is telling you to have the truth. You know the truth, what this word says, and Satan cannot change it and should not be able to change it in your heart or your mind. You know what it means. 
That is why it's so important to read the Bible. That is so important to sit there and know what his rules are that you can sit there and follow. When it says, by my stripes you are healed, well, by George, that's what it says. That's the truth. You shouldn't be walking around sitting there and being sick. Having your breastplate of righteousness. You ever see all the heroes? You ever see all the heroes on the TV? You got Superman. Oh, breastplate, big S. Hey, breastplate. Yeah, Superman, Wonder Woman, big W. Wonder Woman, yes. The Flash, big S. You know, breastplate, righteousness. They know who they belong to. They know who they are. We know through Jesus Christ who we are. That is our breastplate of righteousness. Standing strong, looking, going, hey, look at here. Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to his army. I am a warrior of him. You can't stand me. If you want, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. Get back there. Get underneath my foot, but you're not taking me tonight. And your feet prepared with the, the gospel of peace. Shoes, peace, walking in God's presence, having the peace, knowing God's got it all under control as long as you do your part. As long as you do your part, you're walking in God's peace. You know God's got this. All you have to do is do what you need to do. Follow his word. And follow his instructions. There's his word. There's his instructions. Above all, take the shield of faith. Wherewithin you should stand, uh, be able to stand the quenching of all the fury darts of the wicked. Faith. The shield. Standing there with a the shield. Anytime he attacks you, you put that shield in. You ever watch any of the old movies back in the old times, Roman times? They were having shields. They put the shields in front of them. Four or five people standing there with shields wrapped around them, protecting themselves. That's why it's so important to hang out with Christian people that can put wear a shield of faith and help you walk because then you all can work together and have that same faith to be able to overcome something. When you're by yourself, you only got one shield, and after a while, that shield gets tired. It starts getting heavy because Satan is attacking you over and over and over and over, and you keep looking to God, when is it going to end? And he just keeps attacking you and attacking you, and you just finally quit, and you fall over, and then you're down. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. When you're out there in the war... Everybody's got two helmets on. You got the helmet on for the United States, and you got the helmet on for this country, or whoever it is. They all look different. United States helmet don't look like everybody else's helmet. Mexican helmets don't look like American. Russian helmets don't look like ours. It does, they all look different. Well, guess what? We have one helmet that looks like our Christ, the crown. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, His child. That's the helmet we're wearing. Salvation, showing that Satan, I am salvation. I have the salvation. Protection of the head. 
Guess where Satan attacks? In your mind. In your mind. Hey, you remember that jack-in-the-box? Going to come and get you. You throw, throw me away, I'm going to get you. Watching those movies, what's going to happen? You wonder about Harry Potter, people talking about spells. I have people that watch Harry Potter, and they're walking around work, and they are sitting there speaking those spells. And I say, oh, it's just words. Uh-uh. Guess what? These are words, and they're very powerful. These words are very powerful. Guess what? Harry Potter's words are very powerful in the dark world. Cussing is a very powerful word. Using God's name in vain is a powerful word. The almighty name that you can praise God with, hallelujah, is a very powerful word. So words are something. It says in Psalms, one of Proverbs, the power and death, the life and death is in my tongue. Whatever I say comes past. That's how powerful your words are. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that will go through anybody's soul, especially the demons. And the last and final one, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all preservation and supplications for all the saints. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always, you guys. That is why it's so important to know the armor of God. It is vital for you to sit there and make it in God's army. Because you don't have to take what Satan has for you. It took me so long to understand the armor of God. You know what everybody teaches? You can go to churches and you can go to Sunday school and they teach you two armors of God. The word of God, the sword, and the shield of faith. I, I knew all about all those. But guess what? There's more about it. When I was doing the study, God sat there and spoke to me and told me three things. He sat there and said, if you watch any of the old, old movies, and anything or hear anything about stories about the Roman Empire and they had the helmets and the breastplates and the shackles and the sword and the shield and the belts and all the boots and the, they wore all that they wore all that that was their protection against the enemy but God, God spoke to me and said and said I will tell you something what mine means so more about theirs the truth which is in the belt is around your waist so all the truth is around your waist. Well, if you look in, the, in there and start studying, where do you sit there and get the truth? The Word. The Word is where the truth is, comes from. Where is the truth, the sword, hooked up to? It goes into your belt, in the, in the uh, stealth. It's connected to your belt. The belt is connected to the Word of God. That's where the truth is. And I thought, wow, that is pretty neat.
And he sat there and says, can you imagine how many of you guys can sit there and hold something up through a battle? Take a shield that weighs 15 pounds, 10 pounds, hold it up like this, and imagine battling for two hours. Is your shield going to be right here? Or is your shield going to be down here? Your shield's going to be down here. Because you've got to have faith. You've got to have strength and faith to hold your shield up. So where is your faith at? Your faith is knowing the Word of God, and the Word of God is the truth. Back in the old days, they had a little hook on the shield. And that shield had a little spot on the belt where it got connected to. And all you had to do was take that shield and move it this way, this way, or this way to protect you because it's hooked up to your belt. The faith of the shield, the faith of the Word of God, the truth that you know about what God says is all lined up between the Word of God that's sitting here, the belt that runs through the Word of God that tells you the truth, that if you read the Bible, you will understand the truth, and that truth will turn around and be your faith because now you have faith to stand against the devil because it's all connected to one. I blew me away when God sat there and spoke that to me. I sat there and I told him, and he's just like, wow, I never even noticed that. I said, and top it all off, that was why he put all that together. Because that all three of them go together. Now, of course, the breastplate of righteousness and all that, but that's your main thing. You've got to understand the truth of God. You've got to understand that to be able to use the Word of God and be able to hold it up the shield of faith and know God is going to take care of it in his time, not our time. So by the time we finally finished all that, we cleaned out the house. They argued every single time they walked in that house. They fought every single time. The whole time they were living there, they sat there and got around each other's necks. After that day, we finished God all that done. We went around and we prayed at all the windows, all the doors. We prayed over them. We completely claimed that place for God. And from that time on, their relationship was a lot better. They didn't fight. They didn't argue. And they were having a better relationship. And they could be able to come inside that place and stay in there. They were coming in and had to leave and go someplace else because they couldn't stand in that room because they would fight all the time. But after that day, they were in peace inside that house. And they understood. Well, they turned around and started coming to church. They started coming back to church. And they started, and both of them gave their life back to the Lord. I know the time's up. I just want to let you guys know, this you've seen, I, I told you, was basically physical things that you could see that I, I could do. This is what I'm, my point is, or what God's point is, is because this is going to be not your life of having a jack-in-the-box in the house. It's not maybe uh, the, the witchcraft and all that stuff. It's not about, this could be something to do with your marriage. What are you allowing in your house that makes your marriage fight? divorce what makes goes in your house that makes your kids have problems of disobeying what are they watching what are you letting them listen to what is that that you're allowing the demons in your house to be able to do this into your family that is this message of this story 
It's not about the jack-in-the-box. It's not about the, I mean, what is in your life that is happening in your life that you're being tortured by? Every time you decide when you're going back to your home, you're going back with your wife or your girlfriend or your parents or your aunt and uncle, grandparents, whatever it is, and you have problems in your family, in whatever's going on, what are you allowing or what are they allowing to cause this issue? The devils and the demons are there to destroy you. That is the whole purpose of why they do this. It is not to sit there and have you have fun and enjoy yourself. I know that for a purpose because my life was exactly the same way until I cleaned out my house and started bringing Christian stuff in there because my house didn't have any Christian stuff in there. It might have had a Bible and a, a maybe a Christian saying on the wall, and that was probably about it. Everything else is all worldly. Everything, all music, all movies, everything I had was all worldly, and that's what I wanted. And that was what's destroying my life. So you guys, when you guys are having a problem, you see something in you, and you read a letter from your wife or your parents or, or your, uh, your, uh, the, the, um, when they're letting you out, uh, discharge, and you see bad news, what's going on? Start taking control. Start praying. Now, you might be needing to stay here for a few more days because God might have a plan for you. But you've got to understand his will and what he has plans for you. That's what I'm trying to get to. That's what God's trying to show you guys. But you guys have to step up. You have to know the word. You have to know the truth. You can be able to control and get rid of the demons in your, your life. Okay? Okay. <clears throat>